Let me know when you're ready. And we're live. That's what's up. A couple of little interference aside, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first edition of Drop Dropping That Culture, excuse me, with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm excusing you, my name's AJ. Did I say, did I say <laughs> something other than AJ? No, you just said, you know, excuse the, the issues. Right. <laughs> the so, interference. So you're already getting a good indicator of where this show is going to go, folks. But uh, just to kind of get you exactly what we're going to be doing here, uh, this show is meant as a uh, more or less just two guys talking about pop culture, which we always do on the regular anyway. So we figure we might as well share our knowledge with the masses. You are okay. That's not a gunshot. That's actually a uh, exhaust. So well, like it's a, a prop car for the Fast and the Furious. That's exactly what it was. It's a prop car. Because you know they're getting ready to make another one of those. I hope not. I'm sure they are. They always do, man. I know. It, they're making money. I get that. But I do They're making ridiculous, stupid money. I, I just don't get it. But we're, we're <laughs> going to get into that. Okay. But, uh, no, they're, they're all stunt cars. Well, look, before, before we get too far, you need yeah. to give them a little bit of your background as to what makes you qualified to even have this discussion. Okay, that's a very, very good point of discussion. Because if they're going to listen to uh-huh. 45 minutes or an hour of us bullshitting back and forth, right. they need to understand... What your bona fides is, mm-hmm. and then I'll tell them why I somehow drift into it and out of it from time to time. Okay, cool. Well, uh, my name is JD. My real name is not important, but uh, <laughs> you folks, you know that I'm actually uh, an actor, writer, and uh, all around uh, pop culture aficionado. Um, can, you, can you say nerd, geek? I could. Which, say one, do you, which one do you prefer? I, I could say nerd and geek, but I prefer aficionado because it sounds fancy as fuck. Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, you are literally hearing a uh, walking, talking encyclopedia right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's uh, not kidding. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I live and breathe pop culture. Uh, watch pretty much everything that's come on TV for the last oh, 30, close to 35 years of my life. More but than that, man. Now with YouTube, you, you're digging uh-huh. back and deep. You're going to like my mother the car. I mean, you're, you're going deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I. I you're basically, you're basically a pop culture historian at this point. I sustain myself daily on uh, reruns of shows like My Mother the Car and Mr. <laughs> Ed. And, you know, occasionally I might throw in a I Dream of Genie just for nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But uh, like I said, I'm just a living, breathing encyclopedia. Guy that loves pop culture, loves talking about pop culture. And with this podcast, hopefully we can be a part of pop culture. Uh, and also, I just, I just like to sum it up saying I'm basically a very enthusiastic amateur. I love, love pop culture. I love talking about it. And like I said, I want each and every one of you to love pop culture as much as I do. Or to enjoy us talking about pop culture as much as we do. Um, me and my partner, AJ, uh, we, uh, we're, we found that we're really the only people that we can talk to about these certain subjects. Because in fact, we both have this extensive knowledge and this extensive love for pop culture. And like I said, we got the idea one day that you know what we should share this with the masses or at least you know your followers on on facebook that's right <laughs> i do have followers on facebook you can actually follow me on a little group called belserverse uh little group man you can you can get getting deep i'm trying you to get got a deep. congregation I'm, I'm trying to get deep and you know what i'm gonna get there with your help like i said if you guys get a chance to listen to this podcast go to facebook and look up belserverse and like I said, it's a little pop culture thing that I do on there. It's more as a blog. Uh, give you all the latest news. 
uh, any articles and stuff I do. I'm also a writer, so I write for different uh, websites like God Hates Geeks. Mostly articles dealing with pop culture, uh, cartoons, superheroes, movies, music, etc., etc., comic books. Uh, but what the vision is for Belsa Versus that I want it to be what IGN is for the urban community. So, you know, you got uh, your media takeouts for gossip, you got uh, world star hip hop for like uh, videos and stuff like that. I want Belsa Verse to be something like that, just this all around source. Of pop culture for the urban community and it can extend past the urban community because we have people of different ages races that are all uh, genders etc etc that are all fans of pop culture and they want to learn more I'm happy to help them and like I said Belsaverse is the way to go what is the urban community the urban community <laughs> can be classified uh, usually as the <laughs> the ethnicities of this uh, wonderful country of ours black folks Latinos uh, Asian folks uh, Middle Easterners, uh, people of that, uh, people of that ilk, that is, would probably be the way to go. Is uh, there one ethnicity that is primary in the urban community? Uh, usually black folk. Uh, we usually go with black folk. Uh, I happen to be a black man, so I kind of steer toward black folk. Now, uh, uh, now we all learned. But, like I said, <laughs> I try to be as open-minded as possible, so, like you, I said, Belsa versus First of all, yeah. you're sitting here talking to me, you're open-minded as hell. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I kind of have to be open about it, especially dealing with you now that <laughs> I've sat here and run my gums off about who I am. Why don't you tell the people about who you are and what you do? I'm just a, a gigantic geek, nerd, pick the moniker, whichever one you want. Uh, one of the things I loved when I was in film school way back in the day was that it was the only place I'd ever been in my life where two people could be having a conversation about either Star Trek or Star Wars and you could pull any third person out of that, that group that was walking around there and they could jump in without missing a beat. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated and the real world hit mm -hmm. and I didn't find that again until I was sitting in both Cigar Lounge and Torrance <laughs> and I had the good fortune of sitting next to this guy and mm -hmm. we just started talking and our first conversation was 100% nothing but quoting movie lines to each other mm -hmm. and it continued that way for some time until yep. we started getting deep. <laughs> that rolled into us deciding to work on a screenplay together, mm -hmm. you and I becoming writing partners, mm -hmm. working on this uh, ridiculous uh, comedy that we're, we're hoping to get going here in the not too distant future. But mm -hmm. in all of that, you know, we ended up with this awesome, ridiculous friendship we're going to share with everyone. And now that we've wasted uh, six minutes, you know, pontificating about what's great about us. I like that word pontificate, by the way. I like using big words from time to time. Yeah, me too. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into, you know, just some of the fun of it. You can decide if you like it or not. Probably should have cut all this down to like, you know, 90 seconds, but we're amateurs. We told you that from the beginning. <laughs> all right, so one of the things we decided we want to do with every single episode is we got a couple of things that uh, we're going to try to make regular features occurrences. And, and one that you came up with mm -hmm. uh, is Seven Degrees of Separation from Eddie Murphy. That's right. Uh, so I came up with this game a couple years back. Uh, everybody knows about the six degrees or seven degrees of separation from Eddie Murphy. I mean, excuse me, from Kevin Bacon. That's the main one that everybody knows. But Man, I had that board yeah. game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of people did. Like, that's kind of their main thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. For, like, party games and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know why you would do it at a party, but that's here nor there. Don't judge white people. <laughs> they need something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I did mine based on Eddie Murphy because of the fact I feel personally that I can connect more or less any movie star to Eddie Murphy. Now, 
keep in mind, I want to make sure that the rules of this are very clear. No foreign stars. I mean, like people like that do Bollywood or telenovelas and stuff like that. That's not when clear. You, wait, wait, wait. When you say foreign, does that mean like I can't drag like Pierce Brosnan into it at some point? No, no. I mean like people that uh, they have to have done American films. As long as they've done an American film, as long as they've done an American film, I can connect them to Eddie Murphy. And like I said, also that also cuts out television and uh, music people. Like we're going strictly as long as they've been in a movie. As long as they've been in an American movie, okay. I can connect them to Eddie Murphy. Right. Now I want you to give me an example, just so the fans will know exactly what we're dealing with here. Forget an example. We're gonna play for real. Okay, let's go. Right, I got what's it. I got you. I got you. My man, Paul Servino. Good one. Very good. One. Let's see what you can do with Paul. Okay, Paul Servino was in. Oh, this is super easy. Paul Servino was in Goodfellas with Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro was in Showtime with Eddie Murphy. Boom. Did it in two. <laughs> Kim Basinger. Good one. Another good one. Kim Basinger was in. Hmm. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I got it. Kim Basinger was in Batman 89 with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was in the good, uh, with the other guys. Yeah, that's what it is. The other guys with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Keaton was in the other guys with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was in, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm almost there. Okay, Will Ferrell was in... Anchorman with uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was in Tower Heist with Eddie Murphy. Boom! Alright, I'm going to go with a good one for next week. Yeah, I was yeah. going to go with Bill Burr, but then I was realizing I don't know if Bill's been in any features. No, he hasn't. He's only done his stand-ups. And, te- and television. And te- well, yeah, but I mean, tele- we, we already said you can't do television. Right, right. Well, it's television. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty much done because, yeah. I mean, if you go with SNL, even though he hasn't been on a recent right. season, I mean, that's do that in about two. Yeah, exactly. To get there. One thing I'm finding as a linchpin for this game, for the most part, is Sam Jackson. Because thankfully, Sam Jackson has been in everything. Honestly, that was the one that scared me for the most. For when I, yeah, when I said good fellas, I figured you were going to get him through Sam. I was, I was that, surprised with, with uh, De Niro. No, that's actually where I was going originally with the other guys. So I figured, you know what? I could do the Sam Jackson connection because Sam is also <laughs> in the other guys. <laughs> But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go the roundabout way. I want to make sure that, you know, people know that I can do this basically with anybody. All right, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. We, we, we're playing around with this other one, but I don't have anything good to start it with, so we're going we're gonna to pitch this to the next week. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's WWBS. We'll get, to that. we'll get to that another time, because I don't have anything good to start that one with. WWBS. All, I'm already intrigued we're, just because of the fact it's, you know, letters. We're, we're going so. to see where that one ends up. <laughs> now... I think it's good if we're gonna be pop, right? We got to talk about what's happening right now. So as far as movies out now, okay. I know if I go to Bell Servers, I can read a lot of different reviews uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yep. But because of my work schedule, I'm personally barely seeing anything. So <laughs> yeah, I went. I took my buddy. We went out uh, and saw Ad Astra because he's a big sci-fi fan. We went and saw it for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Josh, who you know. Yes. Um, and I gotta say. Somebody was mentioning this to me. They're pointing out it's basically an indie sci-fi movie that's top-heavy with the cast with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen that one yet? Actually, no, I have not. Okay, so I gotta say it' pretty freaking good. I mean, it wasn't super heavy on the effects. It's very minimal suspension of disbelief. It's not that far in the future. It's like maybe a fifty-year jump, depending on what happens with the space force and how much money we pour into the 
Space hey, Force. it's le- it's legit. I the follow I follow the Space Force. I know I know it's legit. It's still <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But any chance we can be a shuttle door gunner? I would love. I, like, it's, <laughs> I would. It's, it's so stupid and so ridiculous. But I would still love to be a member of the Space Force, just to, just so I can have that title. I, like I I'm told a, I told my space I told my wife I might do it. <laughs> to join Space Force? Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. So if you actually are down, I think my problem though is my uh, my my math scores. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking back at my old transcripts a while ago. Well, like, my, my ass fail was pretty good, so I got in pretty good in the Navy. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that translate over to the Space you, Force. Well, you're gonna you're gonna be like me, and you'll be out there spraying down the shuttle with <laughs> some kind of chemical after it lands. Oh no, man! I'm going <laughs> in the ship, bro. A man in the laser. Is that well, you know what? Yeah, they could use Corman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Space Corman. Space medics. You never know what's going to happen now. They might be alien style up there. You never know some little creature popping out of somebody's chest. You know, you need somebody for, you know, palpation and stuff like that. Okay, so mm-hmm. now's the time on new stuff. Ramble out, all that. I actually, I have seen. What do you What do you think about that? What do you think about, like, this remake thing in general that everyone's into? My favorite, The Last Rambo, uh, or Last Blood, I believe is the title of it. Uh, I watched it, and it's a decent enough action movie it's not really a Rambo movie per se and by that I mean most of the Rambo movies take place in some form of jungle climate uh, as a lot of people know if you are a fan of the Rambo franchise Rambo at the end of the uh, fourth one just titled Rambo he uh, finally makes it back to America and he goes to like his dad's farm in Arizona now that's pretty much where this movie kind of picks up he's like been there for years He's still kind of shell shook from his experiences from Vietnam, which of course you know yeah. has pretty much shaped who he is. Fair enough. And the thing about the movie is, is it's it's a pretty basic action movie plot. Uh, there's a young girl involved, and he kind of considers his niece. He's kind of like got this adopted family at the farm now. And the, the thing about it is, you don't really. I want so I want to go so far as say you don't really care for the uh, girl, but. She makes a lot of bad decisions. Now that might be just stereotypical of teenage girls in action movies, or is it just stereotypical of girls in movies? Period. True, but this one is pretty, pretty blatant. Like everybody is telling her, "Don't do this particular thing." I'm not going to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But don't do this particular thing. Don't just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And she doesn't. And of course, when she does it, despite all this heavy warning, you kind of don't really have any sympathy for her after that point. It's like you kind of got what you deserve, but because yeah. because she's you know someone special to Rambo, Rambo goes Rambo. Okay, but when you yeah. say hold on, when you say Rambo goes Rambo, yeah. So I go back to like the best for me, hands mm-hmm. down, is First Blood. And this seems to yeah. be a thing with all the sequels and all the remakes and all that crap that's going on. It's like, yeah. when you look at the original mm-hmm. of a lot of the really great movies that spawn franchise, like we were just talking before we started about Fast and the Furious, right? Right. They're I, so close which, to reality, which the suspension I, of disbelief. Yeah. Like, like when he jumps the train, jumps the uh, train tracks uh, in the end of the first one. And yeah. I'm not even gonna do a spoiler alert. If you yeah. if you haven't seen that by now, that's your fault. I don't know it's been why you like haven't seen. Years. I don't know why you haven't seen First Blood. It's been over almost. Over no, I was I was jumping over to Fast and Furious, but yeah, I mean, no, 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 First Blood especially. It's yeah. been out okay. longer than we've been alive. Yeah, like almost forty so, years. All I'm saying is, when you look at those. By the time you get to like Hobbs and Shaw, sure, or like all the craziness was going on in the last one, or you get to like Rambo three or Rambo four, I mean, I heard a similar criticism a while back about the way they were going with all of the uh, uh, the Die Hard movies. Mm-hmm. 
starts out just this regular guy in a screwed up situation mm -hmm. somehow manages to like come out on top right yep now you've got him like jumping like motorcycles into helicopters and shit. i think michael scott said in an episode of the office right mm -hmm. you lose what it is but for some reason they just keep making the shit over and over and over again yeah now in this instance with rambo uh it's not so much that they kind of like uh well, they kind of very, very much overdo the violence because, like, the one before that, Rambo, the one where he's like in, in Burma. But when, but when you say overdo it, like, yeah. are you saying that like it's too much violence or like it's just over the top ridiculous? Over the top ridiculous, <laughs> and in some instances too much because this is like blood, like, like the Expendables. Yeah, <laughs> you can go that route. But like in terms of the Rambo franchise, though, it's just blood everywhere and like like people's exploding from like all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I, I will I will give you that in the uh, first couple Rambo movies, particularly in the second one, because he had exploding arrow and blew up a fucking Vietnamese guy. Dude, I just watched that the other day. I was yeah. laughing my ass off. I was like, oh come on. And he was just waiting so long and just like he was taking his sweet time with the explosive <laughs> arrow, bro. But like I'm talking about with this movie. Like when he goes to his Rambo little phase, whatever, he he it's almost it turns into basically a slasher movie. <laughs> it's not even like a Rambo movie, like he's getting revenge. He's just like killing people just for the sake of killing people and doing it in very horrific ways. He's like chopping people's heads off and chop chopping out body parts and he's like using like all these like <laughs> saw like instruments in a bunker. Uh, it's very strange, and then there are very there's a, certain skills that you see of him in this movie. And he looks like a damn. He looks like Leatherface. He does. <laughs> he does Leatherface. Yeah, yeah he, does, he looks like Leatherface. You see, just this crazy looking old, older man with a damn hatchet coming at you. You know what I'm saying? Now, now is that just because he's he's looking weathered, or was that something they did specifically for the film? Because you know, I mean, he's. He's been getting a little bit of rougher look to him over the years, all the HGH and everything. Yeah, that. But he looks more like a mafioso now. You know what? They should have put him in the Irishman. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, I say Stallone's look evolved. He went from looking like a uh, like a tough guy bodyguard. That's so, uh, you're probably okay. gonna have to say that again because I yeah, I know that's 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 a, that was an ambulance or fire truck or whatever. But what I was saying is Stallone's look has evolved from looking like kind of like a bodyguard to like a mafioso now. He looks like a like he looks like the boss. He looks he went he went from the bodyguard to the boss. That's basically what it looks Speaking like. Speaking of which, Andrew Dice Clay's starting to book stuff. He's coming <laughs> back around. He's coming back as a mafioso. <laughs> he's got a good look for that. He's always looked like a mafioso. <laughs> but yeah, I heard him on uh, what was it Joe Rogan a while back mm -hmm. talking about that. I'd be up for going to see. We should look. We gotta just as an aside here for everyone else to hear. At some point, we gotta go see some stand up, and I'd love to see him do it. I would love to see that dice too. Uh, did you ever hear the story about like kind of like his downfall? Are you talking about on MTV? Yes. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, that's, okay. That's, so for those of you, people, that's yeah, for those of story. you who don't know the story, apparently he was like supposed to be doing stand up at like one of the MTV awards or whatever. Well, like, yeah. So hold on, you got to back it up though. Yeah. So he was he was going to just be introducing somebody. That's oh. all. He, he was just going to be doing an introduction. Yeah. But Dick Clark told him yep. that he had to stretch. Yes. He said, hey, we got we, we need to fill about three minutes. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. that's when it was live. I don't know if they still do a live, but they yep. were definitely doing a live broadcast for that. Yeah, but, well, all, going into that, he also kind of told him, like, I know your act. I know your shtick. I know what you're about. You know, you know, uh, whores in the row, you know, stuff like that. But this is MTV. These are kids. This is, you know, you know, teen America. Like, we're not going to have that. If you do go that route, you're done. You're finished. I'm not kidding with you at all. 
So, Andrew Dice Clay, you know, kind of feeling himself at the time. About to go out there and do his little introduction. Kind of, you know, I could, I could, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Dick Clark's like, okay, you know, go ahead, you know. Do you think he goes out there and does his, you know, hickory dickory dot. <laughs> Some bitch was sucking my cock. Yeah, and all that stuff. And of course, as soon as he came back, done. Well, if, if what you really got to do, people should take the time, find the Joe Rogan podcast with Dice, listen to it. It mm-hmm. is freaking awesome, crazy, hilarious. But like, just looking at like the the, the trajectory his his life took after that, mm-hmm. and even now coming back around, I think he's going to be doing. I think he said he's working on a new stand up special, even though he's picking up all these other gigs and with all the woke cancel culture and all that other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You know, people are giving him a hard time about stuff. He's like, well, what's what's the deal here? This yeah. is Dice. Is this persona, this stage thing that he's worked on? It's working out well for him. If you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, don't. Yeah. And I mean, kind of like Chappelle. Chappelle's like, I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You can either like it or don't. Don't show up. Yeah. My thing was actually, weirdly enough, a few months back. You know what I watched for the first time? I never ever seen him before. The Adventures of Ford Fairline. Oh, I haven't seen that either. Dice's movie. <laughs> and uh, he talks about shooting yeah. that. He shot a bunch of it around the comedy yeah. store and all kinds of stuff. He's got a TV show he's working on, too. And funny enough, it was actually directed by the same dude that directed Die Hard 2. <laughs> and he was, I think he was working on both movies at the same time. Or oh, yeah. like he was just finishing up for Fairline and then going to Die Hard 2. But it's the same guy. <laughs> That's insane. We're on the same schedule. And then, like, uh, look at the movie. It is so weird. It's so crazy. Uh, but very nice. So when we throws the guy down the stairs and everything at the comedy club, at the comedy <laughs> store. Yeah, there's that, and there's like Gilbert Gottfried's in it. Ed O'Neill's oh, in right, it. Yeah. Ed O'Neill's in it. Apparently, he's like this ex-cop that used to uh, had this hit song called Booty Time or some shit like that. I'm sorry, Booty Time? <laughs> yeah, Booty Time. No, Booty Time. <laughs> no, 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 Booty. No, I'm not, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just changing it. No, I know, you, I know you're changing it, but I'm saying Booty, booty Time. time. Okay. That's just as funny. <laughs> But yeah, and throughout the movie, he's like singing it, booty time, booty time. Some of a stupid little song. But is it this song that we're listening to? Oh yeah. Uh, oh no, this is just somebody who's entertaining everyone out here and we And I love Evelyn <laughs> Champagne King like anybody else, but who is blasting Evelyn Champagne King in 2019? Hey, more power to them, whoever they are. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Good. Love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. So. I, I know because we're talking pop culture, we gotta talk about the announced stuff. Matrix Four. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I don't. I don't know, man. I was so disappointed with the way three went. Yeah. But I love the Wachowskis. Is it the Wachowskis? How you say the last name? Wachowski. Wachowskis. Yeah. Wachowskis. I, I love. I love what they did with one. Mm-hmm. Two wasn't even a bad setup. I mean, yeah. all the fanfare and everything was great. Mm-hmm. I have no idea the inner workings. What the hell happened to end up with three just being you know straight to VOD? Mm-hmm. But. It was it was a huge letdown. So maybe that's why they got the, they got the testing back from the audience. They went, oh shit, we got to just cut our losses. No P and A on this one. And I gotta be honest with you, the second Matrix movie, Matrix Reloaded, is actually my favorite of the Matrix movies. Really? Because the no, because the special effects at that time with the flying and the yeah. multiple Smiths and all that stuff, I thought that was amazing. It just blew my mind. I love those special effects. See, but of all the sci-fi, because I mean, you and I love sci-fi. We'll get into that mm-hmm. tons, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. of all the sci-fi movies, the single best setup for a sequel still for me has to be one. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a killer narrative. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's very. Um, What's the word? It's almost, it's almost, travel's probably the wrong word, but it's primal. Yeah. It's a very primal, like, human story going through that whole thing. And, of course, the whole idea of, you know, that inner awakening and everything just lends itself to that 
mythic status that created that whole Matrix universe. And then that's what I loved about the ending of the first one, because the flying away thing, where he's like just standing there, the glasses, and there's the upward shot of him going up, 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 and then you just see this figure flying towards the camera. I was like, that is amazing. Okay, so be honest, how long did you have the Matrix screensaver on your computer? Uh, shit. I can't lie to you. A couple months. <laughs> I got my first computer when I went away to college. Yeah. And until that computer died with this horrible virus attack, which I don't know, it's probably like two, three years in. Mm-hmm. That was my screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, didn't give up until I ended up with a Mac and I couldn't load it. And then I was like, all right. The reason I had to get rid of it is because of fact I was still in high school when the um, the Matrix movies first came out, and I was right. using the we were using the family computer. We all had one computer. So uh, I, put oh, the, I, 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 I put the Matrix thing on there, um, you know, because I was big into it. But my mom eventually was like, you know what, you gotta get rid of that. So, <laughs> so well, that's it. Yeah. The Matrix, though, for me, that's the first rated R movie I ever got. It was the second DVD I ever got. You know, the first DVD I got was Big Mama's House. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody you haven't heard from in a minute. Yeah. You know, one discussion we're gonna ha- we're gonna have this discussion. I know in long form, but be honest with you. My parents never censored me in terms of what I could and could not watch. Never. Like, uh, I think the only real criticism they would, the only real like censor thing they would give me is like, I can't watch, I couldn't watch anything with nudity. Uh, So unfortunately, you never got to watch Showgirls. I did get to see Showgirls, (laughs) just not with my parents. But like in terms Uh like, like, if we're like watching a movie on TV or if we're like renting a movie because my mother was really big in the blockbuster and we had like a little video store by our house so we would always get movies on like friday nights okay and like i said in terms of the movie itself they didn't really care like what we would watch like we were watching like you know r-rated action movies and horror movies and my grandmama didn't care either i just watched whatever i wanted i never got censored like but as soon as like a boob showed up uh-uh uh-uh your eyes <laughs> but then like somebody heads explode sounds like, familiar somebody heads explode <laughs> and they'll be like okay that's cool that's so fine. How how many times did you watch Showgirls on VH1 with that horrible animated like tops that they put on before you ever saw it you live? Know the, you know the crazy part about that is I wasn't really that uh, enamored with Showgirls because of the fact that I had other avenues which I could see naked chicks on a regular basis. Uh, particularly, there was one that used to air on BT. It was, they weren't really naked, but they were close to naked. There was one. There's a show called BT Uncut. Late at night. Oh, it was after dark or something, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah no, sh- I saw that. Yeah, and they would show just like these ridiculous music videos. It was like it was like two live crew kind of stuff. Oh yeah, well, way but like but more <laughs> bigger artists, bigger artists too. Like Fifty Cent had a video on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, but yeah, just uncensored music videos. So I could just watch those all day as opposed to fucking showgirls. See, there's something going on, or was going on, and now it's just kind of weird where it's going. But like BT, MTV, both of them originally. The best part about them was the music videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in high school, even VH1 would do like whatever their mornings cast was, where they'd play like top ten or top twenty videos. Like TRL. Yeah. Well, no, not TRL, because TRL was like the beginning and the end of the good MTV, because that's <laughs> yeah, where they yeah. kept having people break in. Oh yeah. my God, I'm from Ohio, and I just want to say I love Ludacris. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then they go back and you get like you get like a third of the video in total, mm-hmm. while there's somebody screaming over the entire little bit that they show you of the third of the video. Hi, I'm Chelsea from Butte, Montana, and I just want to say I love Justin Timberlake so much. I love you, Justin! Oh my god! And then, <laughs> and then somebody else would come in, oh my god, Carson Daly, I just, he's the best! <laughs> oh my god, who is John Rule? 
Do you remember? You remember the Chappelle show sketch mm-hmm. with Carson Daly? Yes, and I was did. Was yeah. it? Uh, he talking about he's still hosting. Like, yeah, yeah. In the future. What, what, which sketch was that? It was it was a uh, skit where like they. Uh, well, it was like this weird. That wasn't the Nostradamus. No, one, no, it was, was a it? weird conceptual skit where he's like, he just got this camera from like this Chinese. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the camera shows like three different settings. One is like uh, it's kind of like an Edgar Allan Poe twist, like a negative thing from it. But you can see your future. You can see your future. You can yeah. see the last person you slept with. You can see that person's inner right, right. inner person. So, and then the future thing was like Carson Daly still hosting TRL, and then Dave Chappelle still old as hell too, trying to get on TRL as well. <laughs> How the hell could you be excited about a movie or a video you've seen 6,000 times already? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, he just like saying that to him. He's got like, he's got balding, he's got like a pot belly. That was funny. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty decent one there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like. But, then, but anyway, what I was saying though is like, you used to get good music videos. In fact, they used to have, what was the what was the one where they would do like, I don't know if it was Deep Cuts or something, but they had like, it was like exposing new artists. Like that's where I found like Petey Pablo, Bubba Sparks and all them when they first, first came out. Uh, I think on MTV, they, well, for no, it was on BET. Oh, it, it was, was BET. Like, uh, for BET, they had like the show called Rap City. Maybe it was Rap City. Yeah. Probably, that's where they introduced a lot of the young hip hop artists. Or uh, North Carolina, come on, raise up. What was another one? They had a uh, beats, on, like what's the name? Beats on the street or something like that. Something like yeah. a sketch comedy one. And then uh, what? The real big show for them back in the day when I was really really young was Video Soul with Donnie Simpson. I never saw that. Yeah, video soul with Daddy Simpson is this dude, like very affable looking black dude with real light eyes. Like, hi, how you doing? It's Daddy Simpson, you know. Welcome to Video Soul. And he always have like the latest, hottest artist on there. Like, it'd be like Whitney Houston be on there one day and then Nick New Edition will be on the next day. He had like Aaliyah and R. Kelly on there together. That would actually be a great, great episode to see. Yeah, it's an interesting episode but see, that's, to see back. that's the real sad state of the way stuff's going. You're never going to get that again, certainly not on broadcast. Mm-mm. Because now if you want to watch music videos, you just get into like a playlist on YouTube, and that's where you catch it. And I'll be honest, man, like my, my schedule, the way shit is for me these days, work and everything else, mm-hmm. I have a list a mile long of movies and TV shows I yet to see, let alone being able to keep up on music, man. Yeah. I'm already starting to feel like the old guy. Yeah, I tend to be that way too, but I was trying to call out just at least a day, just like a catch-up day. I just kind of catch up on everything. And actually, right now... Well, you I'm can do that because you're not married. That's true. <laughs> See, that now, is true. Now, now yeah. I got responsibilities, man. But yeah, a lot of my uh, a lot of my catching up right now is like stuff on like Netflix or like the CW Arrowverse shows. I'm just catching up on that because they're coming in right now and it's, they're all uh, going towards like a big thing. Like, okay. uh, So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Like, um, Actually, for those of you who are in the know, the CW Arrowverse is... Uh, building towards that big crossover that they have uh, every year in December, which is going to be Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is a oh, great yeah. comic book story. That's the only comic book shirt I've ever had. Exactly. And my thing is, uh, from the looks of it, I'm thinking that they're trying to make it like it's the TV version of Avengers Endgame, because they're bringing back like every possible Warner Brothers, DC-related like property into the storyline. They, they brought back Burt Ward. Really? Yeah, <laughs> 60s Batman, Burt Ward. Brought back Burt Ward. They brought back uh, Smallville, Tom Welling, and uh, Tom Welling and uh, Erica Durant. That that version. They brought back. I think they said they brought back uh, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. They're bringing right. back every like every little piece of that uh, DC Empire that they've had over the last 50, 60 years in terms of live television. I mean, 
They're putting on this thing. Look, to put on a business hat for a second, it makes sense. Because <laughs> it's going to hopefully revive some interest in those properties. Yeah. Be able to get, you know, some sales, some licensing going on, get that back out and moving around again. They have like three or four different Superman <laughs> actors. <laughs> Actually, they, and they're bringing back, what's his name, uh, Brandon Ralph. Superman Returns. Superman. All right, so as long as we're doing comic book for a second, because I know you've seen Joker, and I have yet to see it, so don't ruin it for me. I'm not. All seriousness, mm -hmm. not even letting you know nostalgia play any part. Mm -hmm. Who's the best Joker for your money? Ooh. That's a very subjective question. Now in terms well, of, of that's, that's why yeah, people I, listen. I, I, they I, know, want, I know, I know. They, I know. they want your opinion. Uh, my thing is this: uh, I did see the Joker, and I very much enjoyed Joaquin Phoenix's uh, performance. But I don't really—I mean, even though he has the makeup and all that good stuff, I, I kind of see this as like proto Joker. You know what okay. I'm saying? Like Joker just starting, so I don't really see him as the Joker yet. Now, full-blown Joker. My favorite performance overall is Heath Ledger, uh, live-action-wise, because in fact he just. Killed a role and made it his own. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I want to yeah. go with you there because yeah. mm -hmm. my heart says that. But I've got to. I've, I've got to give it. I feel like I still got to give it to, to Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And the reason is yeah. because with 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 the Burton Batman and with his version of Joker, mm -hmm. even though it was a little more campy, a little more comic booky, mm -hmm. it's what really launched. I think in a large part, this whole comic book superhero thing that we're doing in, in movies now, because Superman was considered initially to be a one-off. Superman and Superman Returns, it was like the, the one time that it was going to happen, people didn't expect it to become something that would no, be, no, be larger. Correct, it is Superman 2. Superman sorry, Returns. Sorry, sorry, Superman Returns was yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, like Superman later. and Superman 2, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, those first two were just kind of one-offs because Superman's considered to be his own thing, right? And larger than life, yeah. the American truth, justice, American way, that whole thing. And right. you know, I mean, you know the, the the guys that I yeah. was fortunate enough to know that that had yes. something to do with that. Which um, we are actually going to be discussing in full form on one of our form. shows in the future, and I'm really looking forward to that one. But uh, to go back to but, Nicholson, but, yeah. but anyway, like I said, yeah, with Nicholson, his performance was still accessible. There's lots of stories about. You know what was going on off screen and supposedly he was almost going to quit or whatever and you know i mean it, it it took on a life of its own and he probably was the first batman villain to have anybody do a real deep dive on a character acting thing to any extent mm -hmm. until heath showed up because even even christian bell the way christian bell does all the batman stuff going through all the batman dark night series get worthy it, he just didn't <laughs> access that same level you know what i mean <laughs> His voice, oh my god. Well, he's got to disguise it because you know, he's literally got to disguise it. That <laughs> shit is awful. But uh, going back to uh, Jack, um, my first Joker was Jack. That's the that's my first exposure to the Joker character. He was my Jack. second because I grew up watching the TV show with my dad. Yeah, I when, I, when I was a little yeah. kid, mm -hmm. we'd sit on my dad's bed and we watched that night before I went to bed. And we had this little dog would jump up on the bed. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as he heard my mom come, we jump back down on the floor because he knew he wasn't allowed on the bed. He was freaking awesome, his little dog. So your guy initially was Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero all the way. With the bad, with the makeup over the mustache. But with that, you know, <laughs> holy backcopter Batman stuff, it was like it was a ridiculous level. But I, I still, and that's the thing though. Yeah. What got me into Batman or anything comic book related? Yeah. 
was the Joker. And for me initially, it was a little bit season. I mean, I was young enough that by the time I was actually allowed to watch the Burton Batman, right. It totally blew Caesar out of the water. Mm-hmm. I, I told I, to the point where I forgot about him for a long time. That's nothing against his performance. It's just it's two different things. Right. Now it's comparing, you know, apples, apples and cheese. Oil. No, it's apples and cheese fries, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a bigger goal yeah. than this fan. It's like I love apples. You know, give me a Fuji, but that sounds so gross together though. Apples and <laughs> but that's the point. You wouldn't have them at the same time. If you give me cheese fries with bacon and ranch, I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna be a fat ass, and that's what I'm going for. But I'm not gonna touch but, it. But then I want to be healthy and have an apple. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I went to the gym. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but going into that, uh, another one that was a big favorite of mine, and I won't say I won't say gets underrated, but it's definitely got a resurgence, especially in recent years, is the uh, Mark Hamill animated version of the Joker. See, I miss that. Yeah, but But that's where like Harley Quinn and everything came in, right? That's right, and a lot of people consider that now, in retrospect, to be the definitive performance of the Joker hmm. because fact, he's just so he was so into it and he was so great and it made a lot of people you know because the specter over Mark Hamill for years and years and years was you know Luke Skywalker that's right. all he was really known for but with this other role he could kind of just let go completely just wild out and gives a phenomenal performance every time he does it. He really like encompasses so, the character. So let me ask you, because I didn't watch it. Right. Can you, if you didn't know, if you didn't read the credits, would you know it was Mark Hamill? No, that's the thing. You would not have known it was Mark Hamill, huh? Because he completely changes his voice and gets really. He he kind of speaks almost like a old Englishy type of uh, accent. Really. And uh, yeah, but he, he makes makes the joke kind of almost sound kind of regal, almost. Huh. But he also does some really dashingly shit. Well, that's uh, the Joker. He's supposed to, right? True. Uh, but like in terms of uh, going back to the actual the Joker movie, which is what we were discussing. Um, the thing about the Joker movie that uh, really intrigued me the most is because the fact it's basically a Scorsese movie that Scorsese didn't make. That's that's, that's, that's a hell of a compliment for Todd Phillips. That's basically what it is. Like if you take two movies in particular that it re- reminded me of was. Uh, Taxi Driver okay, and The King of Comedy specifically not only because of that both characters both of them had uh, Robert De Niro as the lead but more The King of Comedy because of that there is a little uh, storyline throughout the movie not spoiling anything it's in the trailers and all that stuff but there's a little storyline throughout the movie that he's like obsessed with this talk show host who happens to be played by Robert De Niro huh. it's like this Johnny Carson type you know so then it sounds like that's a hell of a hell of a compliment for Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, it is. Because the fact you actually you, you feel for this guy. That's the one thing that really uh, that really escapes a lot of the portrayals of the Joker. You really feel for him. Like you can see the kind of life he lives so, before he eventually snaps. And then like you see seeing the life he lives, like yeah, I will fucking snap so, too. So as far as being like drawn into it and having that that sense of empathy for him. Mm-hmm. If you were gonna gauge it, would it be would it be on the same level as like a Breaking Bad or Walter White character? Because that's the one I've, out of anything I've seen in the last probably twenty years, mm-hmm. new new production. That's the one that somehow managed to take. Because if you if you delete everything you know about Walter White trying to take care of his family and being this guy with cancer and that whole thing right. that gets him into doing what he's doing with the meth labs, and mm-hmm. you just look at what he does mm-hmm. and what happens because of what he does and the number of people that he gets killed, True. the number of people he kills himself, yeah. 
and the horrible ways in which it happens, mm -hmm. you'd go, man, that guy is like, I mean, he's a monster of all monsters. Mm -hmm. But because you've got all of this lead up, all of this build up to it, and you know the backstory, you have all that, it, it almost like, for lack of a better term, it kind of fools the audience into having empathy for someone who's not deserving of empathy in the least. Not at all. And uh, actually, I didn't think about that comparison until you brought it up just now. And also, we're listening to some party music out here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I did not actually think about that comparison at all. And I, I can actually see that now that you're putting it out. Uh, but going to the movie itself, it actually is probably my second favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance I've ever seen him do. First one, obviously Gladiator. That's still yeah. number, that's still number one to me. Well, the, but I mean, it's hard to it's hard to beat that one. Yeah. And here's the thing too for him. I mean, it it, it shows the power of a performer, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was able to create with that character a sense of dread and hatred mm -hmm. with such limited screen time. The only other person I can think of who's done that to any effect, mm -hmm. you're gonna have to go over to Silence of the Lambs. True. Right? Because yeah, he's barely in the movie. Exactly. Well, I mean, what, what was it? Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in it, I think, for like 16 minutes of screen time is all. Mm -hmm. And it's a two-hour-plus movie. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's one of those things. that When you look at it for, from a purely, like, you know, directorial or, or if you want to even go, you know, I, I guess you can go with the audience side. That's fine. But if you want to look at it as a, a mechanical feature of things, yeah. to be able to create that amount of emotion, that amount of... Uh, interpersonal feeling with that limited amount of screen time is mm -hmm. special. Very few performers are able to pull that off. That is true. That is very true. So. Uh, but uh, going on to the overall movie, like I would definitely suggest Joker to people because, in fact, like I said, it gives you a very unique inside look at a long-standing, complicated character. I think the Joker is the one character that most of these characters, most of these like method actors, this, that's the that's the like their weird dream is to play the Joker. Like you can tell, like I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Back when I still thought about acting years and years ago, yeah. that's all I wanted to play until mm -hmm. I saw Heath Ledger play it, mm -hmm. and I was like, "There's no way in hell I'd ever touch that." In fact, I, you know, our friend, a uh, friend Phil, I had a long conversation with him when uh, when they first selected Jared Leto, <laughs> and Leto's a great actor. Uh, I mean, just just I'm not talking about the Joker. No, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm saying I'm, Leto, I'm Leto's, Leto's, Leto's a good that. actor. He's solid. I mean, you go all the way back to like Requiem for a Dream or whatever. He's good. Yes, he, he is. Can get you. But what I told him at the time, and what I think is bared out, or borne out rather, or however you'd pronounce it, or however you'd phrase that, mm -hmm. is that um, whoever the first person is to play Joker after Heath is yep. going to get absolutely destroyed. That's actually what I was going to bring up. Because you're, you're, you're comparing yourself against arguably the best performance of that character ever. Yeah. And the only person who could ever stand up with any real credibility and say, no, this guy is good, mm -hmm. he's already dead. Yep. Heath Ledger can't come to your defense and say, no, he killed it because he's gone. Yep. And so in some ways, you got to say Leto actually did Joaquin Phoenix a huge favor by playing it first. I mean, obviously there's like all of the stuff with Suicide Squad when it mm -hmm. came to the production design that was over the top, mm -hmm. ridiculousness with the tattoos. Yeah. And I mean, the thing was dripping in so much oversaturated color. It was like Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. Like it was just from an art direction standpoint. I get what they were going for. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those things where it was either going to be the most amazing thing you've ever seen or it was going to flame out. Yeah, the Jared Leto thing, the whole design, it basically looked like if Lil Wayne was a clown. 
I said, and, uh, it looks exactly like if Lil Wayne was a clown. The tattoos, the yeah. cap teeth, and all that stuff. And like, just all the over the top. And it's always, always like all the pictures he had with his, with his shirt off. Yeah, well, that's basically, what I'm saying. Basically I, like Lil Wayne. And that's and that's why I feel for for Jared Leto in that one because as an actor, he was in a no win situation. It got worse because of the direction they decided to take it in. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like if I was him, I would have told, or if his agents or anyone was really working for him, yeah, they should have said is. Don't do this. Whatever the next Joker's movie movie is, let's get you that. Yeah. Because we need someone to take the heat. Yes. Somebody has to take it. I mean, in fact, Phil uh, Phil gave a really great idea. Um, he said, you know what? Since you've got to just kind of go wild with it, cross your fingers, and hope it works anyway, mm-hmm. they should have gone completely against type. He suggested Ken Jeong. <laughs> right? Ken Jeong, who's hilarious as a stand-up. He's great in all of the, uh, the Hangover movies. He was Mr. Chow, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and then he, was, he also had that character was a little more straight, but kind of still wild in uh, the community. <laughs> yeah. He would have been a really interesting against-type choice that could have made for something fun. Yeah. And giving them an opportunity so that, you know, whoever grabbed the next will be able to go with it, regardless of how much flack. Yeah. The next Joker took. Actually, my favorite thing that Ken Jeong ever did was one of the Hangover movies. I think it's the third one. Where he's like singing "I Believe I Can Fly." Oh yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with a thick, <laughs> with a thick Asian accent. When he's when he's parachuting I out of. I believe uh, I can fly. <laughs> I was like, when wow. he parachutes out of uh, I'm not doing, Caesars. I'm not doing a racist thing. I'm doing exactly how he did it. Don't apologize. Just lean I'm into just, it. I'm just saying. Just lean into I'm it. I'm just saying. It's fine. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just want that out there. <laughs> uh, change, changing topics, sorry. Okay, okay. I don't know if you've heard this yet. Yeah. So, are you, are you familiar at all with the show Billions? Uh, with uh, Billy Bob Thornton, right? No, it's not Billy Bob Thornton. It's um. You sure it's not Billy Bob Thornton? Well, um, Billy Bob might be in it, but the the main the two main characters I can't remember the one actor's name. He was in Life, and he was the lead in Band of Brothers. Oh uh, shit. And then. Um, Shoot, I'm blanking on the other guy's name who's his main nemesis. Uh, he's a shorter guy, bald. Yeah. I look, look, at, look it up real quick on your phone I'll, so you can get it. I'll, but anyway, the creators of that show, it's a killer show. Uh-huh. Um, but the creators of that show optioned a book, uh, I believe it was called Super, Super Pod? No, what was it? Uh, Super Pumped. Super Pumped is what it was called. Okay. It's about, it's about Uber. Okay. So getting ready to do a show about that. A Uber show? Yeah, but it's not what you think because it's all about it's all about what was going on at the tech company. The internal work is going. I don't know how much you know about the guy who started Uber. No, that's going to be. It's a limited series, is what they got the order Showtime. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be off the chain. Oh, uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, and, uh, yes. Damian Lewis from, uh, from uh, Shoot 'Em Up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's a nice bad guy and shoot him up against why, five. Why did I say Bill about Ford now? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. Uh, you say a lot of things. I don't know. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen something with Billy Bob Ford. You know, what? he he might have been on an episode or something. He might have had an arc. I don't it, know. It's possible. But okay. I, I'm still like I said, man. I'm always catching up. But now, uh, now we know it's Paul Giamatti on it. So yeah. okay. I got you. But anyway, that's that's definitely one worth watching for and keeping an eye out for. I think it's going to do better than Matrix Four. Okay. And then, obviously, you keep hearing about different people picked up or dropped on the Batman reboot, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? Okay, so... You're, you're up way more on Batman than I am. I mean, after Ben Affleck took over, I kind of checked out. Yeah, but I think... And it's nothing against him as Batman. Like I told you before, my yeah. problem with, with him isn't him as Batman. Yeah. It's him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. My thing is with this, it's kind of like going to your whole argument we just had about the Jerry Little Joker. Like yeah, the dude that comes because he because Ben Affleck is the dude that came after Christian Bale. 
And a lot of people like consider Christian Bale one of the best performances ever. Like I liked him. It was cool. Yeah, but I mean, here's yeah, the thing. Yeah, when you yeah, look yeah. at all the Batmans, yeah. I mean, you, you can go from Val Kilmer, you can go to uh, the best-looking guy supposedly ever, George, George Clooney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like funny, yeah. you, you've got you've got all of these great guys, mm-hmm. Michael Keaton, right? That have that have played the part, Adam West. Yeah. But. There's not one of them that you go, that's Batman, right? It's like, oh, that was a Batman, that was a Batman. I mean, it's it's almost like James Bond yeah. if you got rid of Connery before uh, Daniel Craig showed up. True. Right? Because, I mean, there's, you can go Roger Moore. You, I mean, there's a, you can go on and on. And it's like, yeah, that was that was a James Bond, and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Like, but, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, but my thing is this. Uh, with the whole thing of casting for this, like how they cast Robert Pattinson as uh, <laughs> Batman, now, I'm I'm really not sure about that choice. Now, if they have told me... He's going to have to get big. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they had told me that they were doing a Batman Beyond movie with Robert Pattinson as the new Batman, I could get behind that because he looks similar to the body type of that character they had for that show. But him as straight up Batman, I'm not sure. Like I say, he's going to have to get really big, really buff. Not, not to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Because you got to look at what... Um, uh, what Christian Bale did right before he came in, mm-hmm. he'd just come off of doing yep. The Machinist. Yeah, he got really And he skinny. was, he was, yeah. he was like 90 pounds or something. I mean, he was way, way down. He'd lost so much weight for that role. Yeah. Uh, uh, he looked real, uh, was, he looked, he looked malnourished. And, and Chris, that's well, and that, well, that's what he was supposed to do. And Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. was even talking about how, you know, when he got him, he said, okay, you're going to have to put on weight for this. And then they ended up having to get him a trainer stuff. Because at first he was just getting, he was just getting fat, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just trying to get the calories back that he yeah. lost. But then again, I mean, you look at Christian Bale's body of work, you go to, like, American Psycho. Yeah. The guy definitely has, between the genetics, the training, whatever else they might be doing on the side, he can get there. You can go as far back as Empire of the Sun. Oh, yeah? Where he just looks exactly the same, even though he's, like, 12. And it's so freaky. He looks like an old man with a 12-year-old boy. Was was he in, was he in, uh, was it Rain or Rain of Fire, the one with the dragons, with uh, Woody Harrelson? Was it Woody Harrelson? I believe so. Yeah, and, like, he was big in that one, too. Yeah, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Newsies. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a deep Disney cut. Newsies. <laughs> what's that shit? What, but what's really weird, uh, yeah. talking about people who don't change the way they look. Right. Go back to Taps, and you look at Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. He looks about the same. So, yeah, the same. And then when you get to Risky Business, he looks the same. You get yeah. to the firm, he looks the, the same. same. He has made some deal with somebody or something, because that guy does not age at all. He's permanently yeah. 35 forever. Yeah, in certain movies where he kind of has to change for the sake of like the movie, like uh, Born on the Fourth of July. or. Uh, yeah, but even when yeah. he did that, he still looked like he was permanently 35, even with the hair and everything, when he's in the wheelchair. And He's a perfect play to play a perfect guy to play a vampire in an interview with a vampire. Yeah, it's really exactly because he just doesn't age. Maybe he is a vampire. My favorite Steve Martin joke is from that movie about Tom Cruise. Is like because uh, you remember in the movie they're talking about like permission to shoot actors, right. and, then he look, and then he looks at Jamie Kennedy's character and he says, "Did you know Tom Cruise didn't know he's in that vampire movie till two years later?" <laughs> like really? He's got the makeup and the blood and all this stuff just for the hell of it. Dude, we we can. We can go for hours just talking about uh, just talking about uh, Tom uh, Cruise's uh, eternal youth. No, no not that. What was, what was the um, shit? Why did the movie Bullfing, just Bullfing, Bullfing, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's that's one of the and that's one of those movies I watched as a kid. And I didn't understand anything about making movies. Mm-hmm. I'd never even been on a set. Like I didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I 
started making movies and went to film school all that, all yeah. that you know? yeah. and then I watched it again I was like holy shit this is one of the best films yeah. I've ever seen about the movie making process it was the same way for me when I became an actor and I started you know, being on sets all the time and seeing how these people ta- talk and how they interact and um, how to get things done and like it's very 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 accurate <laughs> so uh but it's, it's, it's really eerie to see actually when you watch it back a couple times. But like, the whole, it's like I think I think it's one little uh, scene where like they're doing auditions, and like one guy's like, "I'm in this play, and I'm I'm currently doing a production of Waiting for Godot." And they're like, and then they stop and he's like, "And are you in the union?" Yes, I am. And they kick his ass. <laughs> Thank you. Next. Yeah, no, we're not union shooter. One of my favorites is when they go, they say something along the lines of, uh, "Get us the best crew we can afford." And then the next thing you know, they're at the border and they're just <laughs> waving people into the back exactly. of the van. <laughs> yeah, so, but that's fine, that's fine. Okay, so, one of the things I looked up, because I knew we were going to be talking, we talked a lot about possibly doing some companion pieces or something at some point. Yes. And obviously, we're not going to do it with movies that, you know, are amazing, because what's the point? Yeah. But... I was looking at some of the lowest rated movies on IMDb, <laughs> and the first seven I didn't recognize, but the eighth, uh-huh. I think you might have seen, I know I've seen, What's up? House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen I'm not going to say anything else. I know. That's a perfect companion yeah. movie, companion podcast, so we'll do that at some right, point. Is, the, is that awful? Oh, dude. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even start. It's... Okay, I mean, here's the thing. Some movies are so bad, they're good, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Evil Dead. Yeah. I'm not even talking about the remake when they're able to do, like, you know, the whole scenes with the yeah, original yeah, extra stuff. I'm talking about the original, Magnetic where you can yeah. basically see the grip pushing the demon out from underneath the, the floorboards and shit. Like, or like uh, Dolomite, since we're talking about that. Yeah, do- or Dolomite. I'm not talking about something like that's so bad, it's good. It's yeah. just it's just so bad. <laughs> and to go along that same line, number 10, Yeah. Son of the Mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I have seen that shit. I, I, I knew you would have. I don't think I ever want to see that shit again because I was like, really? <laughs> wow. This went all the way down. <laughs> like, oh, I, this is so. I watched that shit. This is so garbage. And I'm not that big. Uh, okay, I might, this might be blasphemous for some people who are listening to this, but I'm not that big a fan of The Mask. The Jim Carrey movie, the Mask. Okay, that's, that's a problem for me because I think that movie's hilarious. I think it's okay. It's not like my favorite of the, the of that run that Jim Carrey had, the initial run. It's not my favorite. Well, look, if you're gonna compare all the Jim Carrey movies, that's not fair. No, I'm talking about the original run. That's, that's, not, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's not that. You can't be dragging. I mean, you have to judge the movie as a comedy, as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And the really great thing about that was the way they they blurred the, the lines between the cartoon world and the real world. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do it. They basically stopped about five or six stops short of going all the way to full-blown Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Or oh, Cool World. <laughs> we should do that. Cool World's a good one. We should do that with Cool World. They went all the way in on Cool World. They, they went pretty deep. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> but that's definitely something that's... Uh, oh, man, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> I, got him, I, got him, I got him flustered talking about Cool World. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it because it is uh, weird it's ass movie. It's a weird-ass movie. It's, but, but, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, we, we talked earlier, you mentioned Showgirls, right? Showgirls yeah. is one of those movies that's like, what the hell were you thinking? Like, what were they doing on set? Paul Forhoven just yelling at people in Dutch. <laughs> 
with more titties, more titties. We don't want, we don't want, we want more titties. Show, show your vagina, show your vagina, show your vagina. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I love it, I love it, I love it. Or like you jump over, I'm like less uh, uh, explicit, something like Battlefield Earth. We're like, what the hell? That was awful. <laughs> But it's well, there's some movies that are oh, bad enough to the right point where it stops uh, up and becomes good. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna call anyone out. I've worked on some dog shit movies. So you just do what yeah, you gotta so do to get paid. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just that's just all it is. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, they jump the shark in the best possible way, where it lands on the other side. Like, did you ever see? There's a really another really good old movie about making movies called And God Spoke. I've heard of it. I, I so the whole, whole premise is these guys are making this movie, and the movie they're making is they're making the Bible. Okay. So they're going to take the Bible and they're going to put it into a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it's done as a mockumentary. You're behind the scenes. You're watching them. They're making all these decisions, and the decisions they're making mm-hmm. is like, you know, they have to now now they have to in order to be able to finance the film, they've got to start doing product placement. So like when Moses comes out with the, the tablets with the Ten Commandments, he's carrying like a six-pack of Coca-Cola and all this. And so it goes so bad. And it, as it's getting ready to, to wrap up and end, the, the filmmakers, everyone, they're just like, oh my god, like I'm not going to make it. This isn't you know, they, they, everybody feels horrible. The producer's like, oh, this is like a dog. And then it flash, for, flash, uh, flash forwards like a year, mm-hmm. and they're at one of these like cult movie screenings in like Hollywood or something. Yeah. And they're talking about it as though it's like the world's craziest new cult hit. And they, they're acting as though all of these horrible things that made the movie dog shit were yeah. intentional. Like, well, yeah, we talked about that. You know, it was it was more a commentary on this side of the American experience. And they're just totally full of shit. Yeah. They're running their mouths with all kinds of crap. It's not even remotely honest. Okay. That sounds like an interesting movie. Which is pretty much the way it works in movies. You, you deny, well, as far as filmmaking goes, you deny anything that didn't work out and yeah. stuff you didn't intend. Movie, movie magic. And very seldom do you get people who are honest enough to say, okay, here's this wasn't me or whatever. Uh, also, that's a phrase we're going to be using on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, whenever we're watching a movie or discussing a movie and somebody brings up a plot point or some sort of a, a effect that makes no fucking sense whatsoever, uh, movie magic. <laughs> movie magic. <laughs> movie magic, bro. Well, but here's the difference between... Weak filmmakers and strong filmmakers. So yeah. you you know that I, I was fortunate that I had this guy Tom Mankiewicz who yes. wrote a bunch of Bond films as a, one of my mentors back when I was in school and all and that also, stuff. And uh, also also wrote Superman the movie, which is what we're going to discuss. He did Dragnet as writer director. He was on uh, Heart to Heart TV show from the seventies. Yeah. But one of the things he talks about, one of the, the line of all of the, the different movies, uh, Bond movies he ever wrote, that he always kept hearing, is like, oh, this is the best Bond, ben, best Bond line, best Bond line, yeah. was this line where he's talking about the sherry. Somebody gives him a, a glass of sherry, and he goes, oh, this is a 62, I believe. Yeah. And the person goes, it's a sherry. Sherry's don't have any here. And he goes, oh, no, it's uh, 1862. The, I was referring to the original cast on which the sherry's based. 1862. Yeah, yeah. When he turned in the first draft, what he mm-hmm. told us was that wasn't what it was. He'd written that it was a 62 and this whole thing, and there was a guy who happened to be like a wine aficionado who's a member of the production team, mm-hmm. and he corrected him, mm-hmm. and he twisted that and turned that when he was doing a later draft to make it into something great that turned out to be one of the best things that, as he always said, one of the best things I ever wrote. Cool. I said so it was literally just I took this. Oh man, I screwed up and turned it into something good. 
So you see that, folks? And, and, yeah. and he turned around and he told every one of his students, anyone who ever worked with him, yeah. that that's the reality of it. Because ultimately, and this is the number one thing he always taught us, mm -hmm. filmmaking is a team sport. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. See, facts like that, that's the stuff you're going to be getting on this show. I didn't know that, honestly, to be honest with you. And I'm a huge Bond fan. And I'm also a big fan of uh, Tom Mankiewicz's work. So I didn't know that fact at all, and uh, now that I do know it, I, I'm going to rewatch because I know it's, it's Diamonds Are Forever, right? I believe so. Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever. I think that's what the movie. He's, he's standing in uh, standing in M's office. Yeah, and uh, we're going to discuss that one too because I want to discuss more Sean Connery with that movie because of the fact Sean Connery was just like I've never seen such a phoned-in performance in my life, <laughs> and he got way out of shape. We're going to discuss that full on, bro. I and even so, it. he's still one of the best Bonds of all time. I know. Without question. He was like, he was like less of himself and still better than most of the other guys that played the role. <laughs> which, is, which is crazy when you think about it. But that's one of those things. Sometimes you just get an actor who's right for the part. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And he was perfect for it. So much so that pretty much every other actor has been compared to him. Yeah, since, since until, until Daniel Craig. Yeah. And once Craig made it through Casino Royale and people were like, wow, like this is... In fact... Tom also told us that uh, he was talking with Barbara Broccoli, who took over for her dad after he passed away mm -hmm. uh, for the Bond franchise. He was talking with her after it came out because mm -hmm. she really wanted to know his opinion because she remembers being a PA, you know, working the sets and everything when she was working her way up. Yeah. Um, she wanted to know, what's your opinion? How did I do? Is this a good Bond and all that? And Tom's response was, this is what your dad and I always imagined. Nice. This is who we all, th this persona, the way he plays it, the way that is, that's what we always wanted. That's what we always saw. Fun fact. Not that for a blonde guy. No, 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 no. I mean, that was the thing. Remember when he got cast James like, Bond. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes. He you know, looks like a Bond villain. Everyone was all down on it. But he just, yeah. he's owned this. One fun fact that I do know pertaining to the Broccoli's, like Michael Wilson, the other guy who uh, manages the Bond estate with uh, Barbara Broccoli. Yeah. His dad is the first live action actor to play Batman. Really? Lewis Wilson. What, what was what was that? He played uh, he played Batman in like a 1940s serial. And he was the first live action person to play Batman. Did you watch it? Yes, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but that's another thing. That's another thing you're gonna get from me, folks. I watch old serials just to kind of, just to kind of see you know well, how filmmaking has kind of evolved over the last hundred years. And yeah, I did watch the Batman one. Actually, it's available on YouTube as well. You can watch it whenever you want. And yeah, it's pretty bad. It's very much a uh, part of its time. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, um, good, thank you. Uh, there's a lot of uh, racially insensitive uh, commentary throughout the whole movie. Not in a 1940 serial. Are you kidding me? Right, I know. Yeah. Seriously? Same thing with women. And it's just, it's, sometimes it's, it's very cringeworthy to watch. And <laughs> yeah. the same thing with the the only effects. Thing, the only thing you need to know, if you really want to understand broadcast television in this country, <laughs> watch the first season of SNL. Or watch the Richard Pryor sketch with oh, yeah. Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah. There's shit they say in that that you would probably be run out of Hollywood on a rail if you even pitched today. I believe that was written by Paul Moody too. Probably. Paul so, uh, uh, what he's referring to, ladies and gentlemen, is the famous word association skit between uh, Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase. Yeah, it's supposed to be the end of a job interview. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because it's actually the, the skit of that particular show. He does. It's actually, I, I have 
the first season or I had the first season on DVD and I watched all those shows and it's actually one of the better shows of the first season of Richard Pryor when it's like I think it's like the third episode ever yeah yeah for Richard Pryor hosted and uh, but yeah that that is <laughs> television has changed a lot ladies and gentlemen <laughs> but uh, going back to the serials uh, another serial that I really like actually my favorite of the serials that I watch and I want to I want to discuss this with you too, the Adventures of Captain Marvel. Okay. And it's uh, I think it's significant because of the fact it's the first ever live action depiction of a superhero on film ever. Like, and it's a 15 chapter serial. But if you watch the effect, we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it together. But if you watch the effects, considering the time frame, fantastic. Really, really fantastic. A lot of wire work. Yeah, but the thing about it is, <laughs> they do a lot of wire work, but the wire work is mainly this like giant paper mache uh, copy of the guy flying in the flying position with the arms out like that. <laughs> but like the original Superman, and it's, it is pulled across two uh, two wires that you can't see, but. In the long shots, it's fantastic. Really, it's when it gets up close, you can see it's very clearly a dummy. But in the, when the long, it's like long shots of him like coming at a car, coming at a truck, and stuff like that. It looks great. Really? Yeah. Huh. And then of course, like when they want to do close-ups, they do the whole rear projection thing. We like land down and wind rushing past him and all that stuff. But considering the time frame and considering the budget when, when was it? Uh, I think it's like 1942 really that long ago yeah yeah wow. and uh, like it's real but it's really really good and then uh, another thing I want to get into we're going to have a whole discussion I know one of the subjects I want to do with you is Captain Marvel and the history of that character oh, I know I, you know this better than anybody I know and I, I, I want to do it for the fans and I know I want to do it for you because I know a lot of the facts about that character would interest you like, like I didn't, I, I, you, there's gonna be a lot of I didn't know this I didn't know that because it's a very intriguing character but like I said I really suggest if you're a fan of serials that's the one to watch The Adventures of Captain Marvel okay so as long as we're talking comic book I, I've got to ask <laughs> how many more Spider-Mans do we have to live through Jesus Christ <laughs> so goddamn many oh man and then like just the reboots and like Sony. Well, like I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta empathize a little bit with Sony, right? Because yeah. they're in a bad position. Yeah. The only property they have that's franchise it's is Spider-Man. Spider Spider yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really find anything else under Columbia or under Sony uh, or Sony Classics or anything that is turned into any kind of a, 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 a tentpole or a franchise. Yeah. Everything else is pretty much one-offs, and they do some great one-offs. In fact, Sony Classics, their independent title, has had some great films under it. Actually, take that back. Uh, another Sony Columbia franchise, Ghostbusters. Is that really? That's them. That's Why did I, you know, for some reason, I kept thinking that was Warner's. Nope, it's Columbia. They, well, filmed, it, they filmed it at Warner's. That's why a, I'm thinking but, that. But it's a Columbia... But I keep seeing the back lot. That's why I keep thinking yeah. that. That yeah, makes the, sense. Yeah, the last Ghostbusters movie was trash. Uh, and it's not because... And I, I'm, I'm saying this, make this very clear. It's not because they were women. The movie was bad, trash. It was just a bad the story. The movie was trash. So that's it. Well, and, for, and that's the thing that like sucks for the actors. When you get stuck with a, a crappy script, even if they're throwing a lot of money at it. I mean, like, it's to the point now, like, obviously you see Jungle Cruise is coming out. Oh, God. They made fun of forever on Entourage. It was that, that long-running gag about Matterhorn. Yeah. They're going to make Matterhorn the movie. And it's all because Pirates of the Caribbean worked out. Yeah. But, I mean, it's to a point now where you just go, okay, so who's going to be in the small world? Like, I mean... No, no, my thing is, uh, 
Teacup Ride the movie. Teacup, I would, I would actually watch Teacup Ride the movie. Giant Teacup Ride the movie. <laughs> I've told you stories about the teacups. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm allowed to tell those, though, so we'll move on. But yeah, they had the Paris of the Caribbean, they did the Haunted Castle, they didn't really do that well. Jungle Cruise now. And then now they're going for, you know. Yeah, Junk Cruise now, but like I said, all the other all, all different rides. Eventually, yeah, it's going to get to, it's a small world and teacup and all that other stuff. Uh, but we'll see. Tomorrow, oh, yeah, they did Tomorrow Man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Epcot, the movie. <laughs> just the, just a movie about the Epcot dome. The one, movie. one thing I will say right now, because we are meeting on a, uh, uh, a lounge that's got a, a nice little outdoor area. Yes. There's other people coming and going, so yes. you know they're having conversations, stuff like that. So if it's getting to the point where you can't understand it right now, we understand. We're gonna do it different the next time around. We'll see if we can find another spot. So that might be a little quieter where we can still do this side of stuff. So yes. apologize if you can't hear. It. If you can hear it, then I guess this doesn't matter, and just like, skip over this part. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I want to talk about before we jump out, since we were playing around with the whole James Bond side of things. Yes. Modern day satires of, of the James Bond archetype. Mm-hmm. How much Archer have you watched? <laughs> <laughs> I've only watched, a, uh, a lot of people won't be disappointed in this, I've only watched a scant number of episodes of Archer. Dude. Dude. But I did watch, there's one particular gag that I love that they did. And it's actually a Magnum P.I. reference. And uh, I've got what the character was, but some character had slept with his mother. And they're like alone in the woods. And uh, Archer like kind of looks up in the sky. He's like, uh, he asked the guy like, hey. Uh, so this, you, is more, this is a more recent episode. Yeah. Have you seen Regis this morning? And the guy's like, no. Why? And he turns around. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember yeah, this one. Yeah, this yeah. one's the one where he's got cancer and he's in his cancer rampage. Exactly. He has breast cancer. Yeah. And then he, like, turns around and shoots the guy in cold blood. That is a reference to a Magnum P.I. episode. Well, dude, everything in that show is a reference to something. Like, there's a whole series, a whole season, Archer Vice. Yeah. The whole thing's just to send up <laughs> Miami Vice with the cocaine and all yeah. that. And then even in the middle of that, they still manage to push in Smokey and the Bandit. Because <laughs> they got that whole section. Mm-hmm. Adam, look, Adam Reed going from Frisky Dingo to, yeah. to Archer. Freaking fantastic. And the stuff that he was able to bring over for some of these regular jokes that they had buried in that that he's able to revive and bring back like I was telling you about before that first episode when he's trying to remember the password or figure out the password to hack into the mainframe yeah he's like ah password okay ah uh, uh guest <laughs> Jesus this is this is ridiculous we're spy agencies like this yes. is baby town frolics guest guest yeah, <laughs> or like there's this other thing from the original one me and my buddy Josh do it all the time mm-hmm. which is uh, good job Steve because there's there's a guy in the frisky dingo who's constantly screwing up and whenever he screws up the other guy's like yeah good job Steve <laughs> <laughs> he's recycled so much stuff but it still seems fresh especially even if you watched it before it's like a nod and an inside joke it's like thanks for watching my stuff yeah, and if you're new, it still works because it's just fucking hilarious. There's no other way to describe it. The reason I like that gag so much because I'm a huge Magnum PI fan. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Whoa, they went here! Nice." <laughs> anything, anything they can do to do callbacks or references to other classic films, TV shows, stuff like that, just makes that show. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's obvious. It's why it's been on so long. True. But in terms of like other James Bond archetypes that that being copied in modern times. Um, 
There aren't really that many. I saw Archer. There aren't really that many. No, I, I, I got a big differ because I think anything related to the spy stuff always has a reference and a nod to it. Like, for oh, example, yeah, yeah, the, Born, yeah, yeah. the Bourne series, especially yeah. the first three. Yeah. The guy's name is Jason Bourne, JB. JB, yeah, yeah. That's got to be a nod. I don't know for sure. I'm just saying it feels like a nod to James Bond. Um, I don't think so. I've read a couple of the Robert Ludlum novels. Uh, was he always Jason Bourne in the novels? Because I never read the novels. He uh, pretty much was like, uh, they, they've established that the Jason Bourne name was a uh, identity of his, yes. Uh, but uh, in terms of like the uh, how the character is portrayed and uh, a lot of the other stuff, yeah, there's two different there's two different animals. They just happen to have the initials JB. That's just my opinion. Well, look, you've you've read a lot more than I have, and I, I haven't seen any uh, any interviews with him, so I mean it's possible. But it feels like it's at least a bit of a nod. Every movie that's came, every spy movie that's come after James Bond is going to be compared to James Bond because James Bond was so damn good and so damn innovative. Yeah, but I mean, even so, like they generally have a lot of nods to it. So whether it's the name of the main character, or even like the whole thing with like you know all the little spy treatments and all the different crazy little shit that they get to you know help them out with their missions and all that. Do you know there's actually a spy movie star starring James uh, Sean Connery's brother? <laughs> I think oh. it's, I think it's called Operation Little Brother. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's I think it's Sean Connery's brother Neil Connery. Neil Connery or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but it's basically what it is. Like the brother of James Bond. Was that was that an Orion picture? <laughs> no, this is like you heard, the, you heard the reviving Orion, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. MGM's bringing it back, man. And I'm very happy about that because I love Orion. Movies. I am too, man. A lot of a lot of my favorites were Orion. Orion and um, uh, what was the one with the with Pegasus jumping over Tri Pictures or something? Tri Star. Tri Star. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with bringing back the old labels as long as, and this is the important part, stay away from sequels and yep. do some original content. True. Because that's the biggest problem across the board is all the original content. And here's the thing, it's not that expensive unless you're getting into huge effects-driven films to make movies anymore. No. I mean, for what it would cost you back in the day to rent a Panavision, like, Genesis uh, setup, about 250000 bucks plus film stock to go out and shoot. Yeah. I can buy almost one and a half of the killer 4K setup from Red. I can own the camera setup. Nice. So you're getting to a spot where it shouldn't be that hard if you're actually looking for original creative content. And especially, this is where we have the biggest drought, I'd say, comedy. Yeah. We're dying for comedy, man. Yeah, we are. Like, a lot of the, like, I can't really tell you the last time I went to go see a funny movie. It's been a while. Well, I can tell you the last time I think I went to see what was billed as a funny movie. I can't tell you the last time I saw one. Unless it's stand-up. Well, yeah, I can't think. I can't either. Yeah. But stand up, look, here's the good thing. At least stand up is still having something of a renaissance. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I don't know how much you listen to, like, even uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr is freaking hilarious. Oh, I love Bill Burr, though. Have you seen his latest? Yeah. Yeah, that one's freaking killer. Plus, a lot of his stuff is getting reacted to on YouTube. So, uh, this is like a Bill Burr, like, uh, I'm going so far to say resurgence, but like a, a, like a movement on uh, YouTube. A lot of young people are watching like Bill uh, Bill Burr stuff, and they're getting in and they're loving it and they're sharing it and all the good stuff like through these reaction videos. A lot of people do Bill Burr. Have you watched his animated series F is for Family? I heard about it. I never actually watched it. You know, I gotta say the first season was like it's all right. I mean, the thing is, it's got like 
-hmm. it's got a little bit too I think it's overproduced for lack of a better term because you got that whole thing it's like you gotta have mm -hmm. you gotta have something at the end of it like yeah. the thing I loved about we were talking about this last week yeah. about South Park mm -hmm. I mean talking about where you can still find good comedy yeah they don't give a shit they, <laughs> they can care less what a producer any executive yeah. anyone has to say about anything they just go for it the way that I would say most of the stand-ups that are working and I'm not talking about the guys that have, have got shows where they're you know they've got a, a staff of 30 people and they're making you know two million dollars yeah. an episode or whatever it is they're talking about the, the straight stand-up that's the, where yeah. you can still find it their dad and suburban life and blah 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 yada 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 yeah well and you know I mean look one of the things I'm going to look at because I, I have a lot of hope for comedy uh, Comedy Central was announced on YouTube. They're going to do a 24-hour stream tomorrow, actually, the 17th, October 17th. 24-hour mm -hmm. stream of stand-up. All stand-up all day? All stand-up all day. That's pretty much what uh, Comedy Central was back in the day. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess I know what you're going to be doing at work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's actually a really good idea. I would like that. Yeah, back to the old Comedy Central. The way when I first... When I first started watching Comedy Central back in the day, and actually it was mainly just stand-up and British TV shows. Yep. Like it's like old Who's Line, the British version, old absolutely fabulous episodes, Mr. Bean, Benny Hills, a lot of shit like that. Yeah. So. Well, no, I mean, it's, yeah. look, I think I think stand-up's going to be what saves comedy. Yeah. It's saving it now, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I love. I, I know it's never going to happen, but I'd love to see Chappelle come back. Do Chappelle show too? The Chappelle show, yeah, that's not coming back. But it'd be good if it did. Yeah, but his stand-up right now is provoking enough attention, and he's making enough money. Just keep doing that. Well, I mean, from what I understand, he doesn't need to do anything. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he could just sit back and collect checks for the rest of his life. Same thing with a lot of the cast right there that give these Netflix deals. Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy got a seventy million dollar one just now. Yeah. To to return back to stand-up for that he's been out of since like. 1988. What's it? Raw was the last one he did, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, wasn't his last tour? It was like 87, 88. Did you ever see any of Charlie's stand up? Yes, I did. I, I saw his special he did on uh, on uh, Comedy Central. It was great. Uh, one of my favorite jokes, like about Flavor Flav, is actually from that special. Like, Do yeah. tell. Huh? Do tell. Okay. Well, the joke itself is basically like, what is the ultimate punishment for white for white uh, supremacists? Uh, like put him in a prison and like tape his mouth shut and then let him know that there's a capsule on his tongue containing a black man's semen. <laughs> and not only any black man, Flavor Flav. <laughs> so like, keep in mind, like if you if you don't, like I think he said, if you don't change your ways or whatever, you're about to ingest the essence of a black man that happens to resemble a burnt cat. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that is funny. But I like a lot of Charlie stuff, man. Rest in peace. But uh, yeah, Charlie had his own thing, man. Charlie was that gruff, the gruff, tough Murphy. Yeah, he he definitely was. He wasn't much like, he, aside from sounding a little bit mm -hmm. and looking a little bit like his brother. Yeah, that's about where it ended. Yeah, and then you tell, you hear all these different people tell stories of Charlie before he became a stand-up. In the early days, yeah, he was a in the gang member, he was in the military, he's one of Eddie's bodyguards for a little bit. He was a badass dude, man. Yeah, he was in the Navy. Yes, he was. Yeah. Do you yes. know what he did when he was in the Navy? I don't know his exact job, no. Oh, okay. I don't either. I just curious if you did. No, I don't, I don't know his job. I think he's like, I think he's just like a boatswain's mate, like a mid-seaman. Like he, I, I don't think he had like a specific job. 
But uh, yeah, like he tells all those stories, and like I said, that was a great, that was a great comedic voice that we didn't realize was a great comedic voice until later in his life. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, look, that ha- that happens sometimes. I mean, you look at, I mean, one of the greatest of all time, Rodney Dangerfield, yep. and he's somebody who started out trying to do comedy, and there's a really great documentary about him that's on a uh, no, it's a Bio Channel years ago. Um, and if people can find it, they should definitely watch it. I mean, he's a guy who had a hell of a crazy life. Mm-hmm. But what was most intriguing about him is that he really was a guy who wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to do the right thing by his family. He wanted yep. to do the right thing by his friends. And even though he didn't get any real fame or notoriety until he was a lot older, yeah. once he got it, his whole thing was sharing the wealth. Cool. I mean, he was a guy. He's a guy who gave us Jim Carrey, brought Jim Carrey. I mean, do you remember the HBO show? Yeah, he brought out a lot of people like uh, Carrey, Sam Kennison, Sam Kennison, Kennison Jer- was in. Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld, yeah, Ellen DeGeneres, Bob Saget, a bunch of those people. He brought us. He brought us most of the great, great comedy that we've got now. Yeah. So the, the last one I'm going to throw in to kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Because I know you have a special connection. So talking about watching Comedy Central back in the day when it was all stand up. Mm-hmm. I still remember the first time I saw Daniel Tosh. <laughs> he had this bit about his imaginary friend and how unpopular he was when he was a kid. He said, you know it's bad when you, something to the effect of, you know it's bad when you see your imaginary friend playing with the kid down the street. You're like, hey, and he's like, whatever, queer, and he turns around and walks away because <laughs> doesn't want anything to do with you. Oh, man. Uh, well, like, what well, he's referring to, my special connection to Daniel Tosh. Not really a special connection, but... It's special. Stop. <laughs> but what I found uh, in one of my recent trips back home is that my dad is a fan of Tosh.0. And my dad is a hardcore southern black man. And a lot of the subject matter that comes on Tosh.0, <laughs> it really surprises me that he would be a fan of it. Like, really? Like, yeah. Tosh.0 pioneered the spot is it racist yeah that's one of the best games ever it's freaking hilarious yeah if you haven't seen it go watch it sit down I mean, go on their youtube channel or facebook and watch some of that right now it'll change your life it is mm-hmm. hilarious but the whole thing is yeah i was just really surprised that he would be a fan of not, 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 not uh concerned that he's a fan of comedians but like in Daniel Tosh in, in particular Daniel Tosh like if he just said if he just said Red Fox or Richard Pryor yeah I would get that but Daniel Tosh <laughs> he is about he's the second whitest comedian I can think of Jesus Christ what's the other one uh, Anthony Jusselnick nah but Anthony Jusselnick he's a dark comedian because now, you, now you're starting talking dark, dark comedians yeah. if you're going to go the whitest comedian yeah. well who, who would you say whitest comedian Jesus Christ it's easy Seinfeld there you go Seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> And it's freaking hilarious. Did you ever watch that, uh, that that documentary they made about him when he was getting back into stand-up after he got done with it? Yes. With uh, Orny Adams? Yeah. Yeah, man, That's if you haven't seen it, that's a hell of a documentary. There's a really good special that he has on there. Like, I think this is his most recent special where like they talk about like when he first got started doing stand-up. And he shows all these different pictures. And he has like a, one of the, my favorite spots of that whole thing. Is there's a spot where excuse the lot excuse the noise folks, but uh, there's a spot where he pulls out this like uh, case full of all his old jokes, and the number of amount of jokes that he's had over his career, he keeps every one of them, and he lines an entire street with them. You know that's actually not that different from what uh, what Rodney Dangerfield used to do. So one of the things he talked about was he has a hiatus because he tried to do the comedy thing when he was a kid. Yeah. And then in his twenties, his girlfriend at the time he got her pregnant. They got married. Yeah. So then he spent twenty years as an aluminum siding salesman yeah. while he was raising his kids. Mm-hmm. 
And when he'd think of a joke, he'd write it down, and he had a duffel bag in his closet, and he'd throw the joke in the duffel bag. Yeah. And by the time he was ready to reemerge as Rodney Dangerfield, there you go. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was set. He had 20 years worth of writing to go to. We're going to have a Dangerfield show. We got to. We definitely got to go into the whole history of Dangerfield, and not just stand-up, but his movies. He has some very funny movies. That's uh, hilarious. Dude, Back to School. Back to school, Caddyshack. One of my favorite lines ever, because I was a real fat kid growing up. Yeah. <laughs> when he's doing that commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's that commercial. like, you know, you can always exercise or get fatter friends. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing in that movie is uh, he's talking about like this, uh, I guess, I forgot some, some guy he knows, Tony Pissos, remember him? He had an ugly wife, four good kids, and really good coffee. <laughs> yeah, this little stuff like that. Or he's like, uh, he goes to the sorority house. And sees the girl in the shower and sees the leg and he's like, and he closes the door real quick. He's like, oh my God, I didn't see anything. And he goes back in there and he's like, you're perfect. <laughs> he has to open the door one more time for him. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get into that. And then going to some of his later stuff like Ladybugs and all that stuff. And he had his own cartoon, Rover Dangerfield. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that's that. That's right, he did. <laughs> we'll get into all that, we folks. Could, we could do hours on Rodney. Yeah. Uh, well, so this was the first go around. We'll yeah. see how this works next time. You know, we'll we'll see about maybe selecting a different location, but hopefully in a quieter location. Hopefully, or at least something where we're not gonna compete with so much uh, other talking going on. But yeah. hopefully, the mics we got and everything are working out. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we'll go for this again uh, some other time. That's right. Like I said, and again, this is just the beginning. So we're eventually gonna get to the point where we're gonna have. Uh, on the Twitter side, we're going to have our own page, we're going to have Facebook polls. We want you to be as much a part of this podcast as us, because we want you to enjoy it as much as we're enjoying just sitting here talking about it. So we're going to have like certain subjects, we want you to be able to, to choose our content, and then hopefully maybe we get to the point where we have video and merch. But like I said, this is just the beginning, so uh, again, we hope you enjoy this uh, show we have, and this has been Dropping That Culture. With JD and AJ. All right, peace out, folks. Oh, and uh, one last thing for uh, for my wife, for uh, any and all of our friends who wonder what we do if we go to a cigar lounge. This is this exactly, is exactly it. it. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our life. All right, guys. All right, catch you next time.